bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. It's the Hive Sports Podcast. Jazz, college football, bees, we got them all. So listen up, because we, 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 we got the buzz. Turn down the buzz! Welcome to uh, a special Selection Sunday edition of the Hive Sports Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Daniel Olson. You can follow me on Twitter, at USU the Right Blue, and make sure to follow us, um, the Hive Sports, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search at the Hive Sports, and you can listen to us on Apple or Spotify for, for or wherever you listen to podcasts. And, and make sure to give us a five-star rating and review, especially if you're listening on on Apple, but but without it out of the way, let's get this started. Um, so I'm actually not alone on on this special episode because you know I I am a a, a big fan, but um still kind of new to the bracketology sphere. So uh, I thought I'd uh, actually bring in somebody who's who is a bracketologist here in in Utah. So the the account is just. Um, a, a Utah-based bracketology. So I'd like to welcome Sam with eight, at 801 Bracketology. Sam, how are you doing today? Great. How are you doing, Daniel? Good. Thanks, Sam. So yeah, I I, I like the the name 801 because you know that represents the area code. I, I I'm a 435 myself. Um, growing up in in Cache Valley, but um, so yeah, I just am curious what got you into bracketology and creating this account yeah so last year i got super interested in it and uh i'm a big byu fan i was going to school at byu at the time as well so i'm getting to know bracketology obviously through uh, byu's super successful season last year and i found bracketmatrix.com which is essentially um just a a listing of where all amateur bracketologists and professional bracketologists bracketologists excuse me can uh, post their uh, mock-ups and and they get rated on the website and I thought that I had kind of a good opinion on where teams should be seated and so I emailed the person that runs that uh, bracket matrix and asked if I could join and he got me in on it. Yeah, it would be interesting. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, uh, hopefully, I'll be able to get your results and post them tomorrow because I saw even like some of the um, good guys like like Joe, Joe Lenardi is pretty good, but I've even seen some years he's like maybe rated the 50th best or so. So, so it'll be interesting to see where your um, final mock-up uh, ranks among the some of those big big guys um, like CBS or ESPN. Um, yeah, I'm but yeah, to see where, excited to see where I end up tomorrow. Yeah, definitely, and and along with being excited for you, we're we're excited for. Um, one potentially two bids for the um, for the the Beehive State here. So um, I guess I guess yeah, you, your Cougars um, had had a pretty good showing earlier in the week, and then my my Aggies also finished second place in their conference. But what what did you like about what you saw in in those two games? Yeah, definitely so. Um, start with BYU. They showed some extreme promise, obviously, against the best team in the country. Um, led for most of that game. 
but it really encompassed kind of what they've done in the last month or two of the season. They've been really strong. They found a starting rotation that works well for them after, after trying a few different things. Um, and it shows that they have some real promise in the first couple rounds of the tournament. Uh, USU, um, rough start to the year, obviously. They lost to VCU, which was a game that really could have helped them out in the end. Uh, and going down the conference stretch, they, they got better and better through the entire season. And they've got some really experienced guys on that roster that, um, I mean, one of the keys to doing well in March Madness is having experienced guys on your roster. So I think they've got, they've got I think they've got some real promise um, coming up next week, and they showed it in the tournament. Obviously against Colorado State, they played really well. Um, fell a little short today against San Diego State, but you know I I'm feeling really positive about where they're at. Well, that's that's good. I know a lot of IE fans are probably sweating it out um, for Selection Sunday because you know they they are in the bubble, which is yeah kind of what bracketologists call like you're either I'm barely in or barely out and it's kind of interesting how the bubble works because it's kind of like the 10 or 11 12 seed like even even though you're not like the 64th best team like you like though because because like I think some of those other higher double digit seeds go to like some of the the one bid leagues um so it's kind of interesting to see bracketology with being like a 68 team feel it's it can get pretty complicated but um, if we dive into kind of some of the the I, I guess a, a new word I learned today is the bid stiller. Um, so I was I was curious if you can explain kind of who some of the remaining bid stealers are for a bubble team like like Utah State. I, I know we got this Pac-12 championship going on uh, as we're recording, and then some other championships. But yeah, who are the remaining bid stealers left? Yeah, so we obviously had um, Georgetown today steal a bid, which came completely unexpected. They were uh, ranked as the worst team going into the tournament, and they won their conference. They beat Villanova after Marquette and then beat Seton Hall, and today, obviously, they beat Creighton. Um, really impressive run for them. I did not see that one coming. Um, what was really nice, Utah State fans should have been rooting for Houston this afternoon, and it looks like Houston knocked off Memphis from the tournament, um, which Memphis could have been a potential bid stealer. And Houston sets up a final tomorrow with Cincinnati, who's a, who's a potential bid stealer. But Houston should be pretty strongly favored to win that game. Um, they're the first bid stealer that I can think of. Um, and then obviously you got Oregon State in the Pac-12 championship right now playing Colorado. I haven't been looking into the, how that game's going, but uh, Utah State fans should definitely definitely be hoping that Colorado pulls that one out over Oregon State. Yeah, I actually have it going. Um, Oregon State's ahead 17 to 11, and as we're recording in the first half, so definitely check that score when you listen to this tomorrow. And yeah, if Colorado wins, then we can breathe a little bit more. But what I was seeing, um, Joe Lenardi had us um, last time. I think that might have been before the bid got stolen from Georgetown, but we were like the second to last team in. So um, it would be nice to have both, um, or, one, or if not, at least one of the bid stealers lose today because I, because if even, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but if even Oregon State, so I guess we can break down the scenarios. Like if Oregon State and Georgetown, not Georgetown, um, 
the since if if Oregon State and Cincinnati both win, then do you think Utah State would be out in that case, or 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 do they need both of them to to win? I think if Cincinnati won tomorrow and Oregon State won tonight, I think Utah State might end up being the first or second team out of the tournament. Um, so it's I think Cincinnati's a super important one tomorrow. I think if Houston beats Cincinnati, I don't I don't think Utah State will find themselves outside of the tournament. I think they'll be in. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting. Like, I think Utah State's got a team that, I mean, we haven't won a tournament game for 20 years, so I guess if we could win a, a, a play-in game, that would count. Maybe not, it's not the round of 64, but still would be awesome. But okay. even the NIT, I, I we, we played a lot of NIT in our WAC and Midwest days, and it seems like we always lost in the first round of that. But um, it would be nice to have, I mean, it's only a 16, from what I understand, it's, it's a 16 team tournament in, in Texas instead of 32, but, um, so, so I guess the NIT is another conversation, like, I guess my first question is if the Aggies do somehow get bounced out, how do you like their chances against some of the, the other teams that are kind of on the outside of the tournament bubble? Yeah, I, I would like their chances in the NIT, and it's kind of hard to predict who would, uh, with COVID and everything, who would accept bids to the NIT and who would prefer to stay home, um, assuming that there's lots of teams that would rather not chance uh, traveling to Texas to end up uh, having a COVID um, scare in their team. I'm, I'm assuming a lot of teams would bow out instead of going to the NIT. So if Utah State did accept a bid, I, I would like some of the, I would like their chances against uh, some lower ranked teams there. Yeah, definitely. And, and I know sometimes, I mean, power five, I mean, they obviously have some athletes and stuff, but I think, um, the Aggies have proven they're well coached, and they've they've beaten a couple of Power Five teams with Craig Smith. I mean, not not really this year because we didn't play a lot of them, but but Craig Smith. Um, last year we we beat two SEC teams. We came back to beat LSU and then Florida. Um, but so that would be interesting. Um, but yeah, we we it looks like we got a lot of or, or a couple of other uh, um, championships like the Big Ten. But I mean. Illinois and Ohio State, and there's no bid stealers there or any of the other teams. So so that's good to see. Um, I, I guess another follow-up question. So we've already um, – well, I guess before we get to that, let's let, – let's, so where, what do you think in your bracket as it stands right now? Like where do you, where do you, what seeds do you see BYU and Utah State getting? And in your particular mock-up, like who do you think that – the team that, that that they might play. Definitely. Um, right now, I've got BYU sitting on a seven seed, um, hoping. I mean, that they get up to a six. Joe Lenardi had them at a six this morning. I I'm not sure, quite sure that I see them getting up to a six. I think they're pretty solid, locked into the seven. Um, I've got them facing Rutgers, a Big Ten team, in the first round. Um, see if that happens, or they may end up playing another team like VCU, who has a championship game tomorrow, or Maryland, for example. Um, tough teams, for sure. I think the 10 line is really solid this year. I think you could see uh, two or three teams in, on the 10 line upset the seven seeds. Uh, so that's something BYU will have to watch out for. Um, Utah State right now, I'd have them playing, if nothing else changed, I'd have them playing in the first four in the uh, play-in game against Wichita State, who lost today uh, to Cincinnati, and I would really like Utah State's chances there. Um, 
and we'd probably end up seeing them against a team like Creighton, for example, or Texas Tech, maybe Colorado if they win tonight, uh, Tennessee. Those are kind of my five seeds right now. Okay, so so there. I know sometimes the planes can be like either 11s or 12s, or I think there's usually a couple of 16 playing games, and then a couple of like middle of the pack, like 11 or 12. So you you have them as a 12 then? Yeah, I've got them as a 12 right now. Okay, that's that's cool. And and I also saw you had an interesting tweet saying that kind of it's interesting. I've seen a lot of um, there's some BYU fans that were kind of cheering for us because they. A lot of them don't maybe aren't the biggest San Diego State fans, but at this point, you were kind of saying that that uh, as far as to get to that 60, that maybe they should um, cheer for Oregon State while while we're cheering um, for Colorado. But what, why is it important um, for BYU's chances to to get to a six for Colorado to lose? Yeah, so I, I'm just I've been looking throughout the day and throughout the week at different bracket mockups on the bracket matrix, and there's several brackets right now that have Colorado at a um, at a low six and BYU is a high seven. So, I mean, if Colorado loses off the top of my head, I won't, I can't tell you if that's a quadrant two or a quadrant three loss to Oregon state, but uh, they'd, they'd probably end up either at a, staying at a low six or dropping to a high seven um, in these different people's mock-ups, uh, which means BYU could have a chance of passing them in mine. They probably won't because, I've got Colorado seeded at a five, a low five right now. So I think the worst they could drop in my mock-up is, is a middle six. Yeah. So it seems like, um, yeah, a lot of people are saying, I even had like a, what, uh, a poll the other day, and this was earlier in the week, but it seems like after BYU lost to Gonzaga, a lot of the consensus was that probably like six at best case, maybe a seven. Probably, I mean, an eight, I don't know, a lot, it seems like some crazy stuff would have to, have to happen to get him down to an eight, but um, chances looking definitely good for BYU. I, like, I think if they can move up to the six, then maybe their chances improve a little bit because then they could win a first round and potentially a second round because this, the the gap between six and three, like we, we see every year like a higher seed team, like an eight will upset a one or six and upset a three. Um, but but yeah, I think that I, I think the statistics would be more in favor of them if them to advance past the first weekend if they could um, get up get pot get up to the six. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but definitely I think a six is a little bit better of a chance to end up in the Sweet 16 than seven is obviously. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess another follow. So we're talking a lot about BYU and Utah State, and deservedly so because they're. The, the teams that are the only ones in the tournament field after, I mean, we saw, I mean, Weaver State and SUU had some tough losses in their chance, I mean, and won big leagues, and same with UVU. Uh, the Utes were looking pretty good, but um, but I, unfortunately they weren't able to to beat USC a, again. Um, but do you see any of the other um, teams besides possibly, I mean, Utah State could make the NIT if the it's theirs don't go their way, but what as far as other tournament opportunities for like CIT, CBI, NIT, what opportunities do you see for some of these other teams in the state that that didn't um, win their conference outside of Utah State and BYU? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, honestly, I don't know much about how they're doing uh, the CBI uh, this year or anything like that. 
Um, but I imagine that uh, Weber State could expect uh, to be included in that as well as SUU. I'm not so sure about UVU. I don't think they'll end up in a in a postseason tournament, but um, I would hope that both Weber State and Southern Utah would end up playing some postseason basketball somewhere somehow. Yeah, yeah, I think we we can probably agree on that. And yeah, it seems like a lot of these teams, like even if Oregon State loses now, like I think from what I saw, their net was like in the in the 90s or so. And I think Utah um, is around the same. So it's like your 90s or worse. It seems like you're probably not getting an NIT with only a 16 team field. So it's, it seems like unless they have a CIT, and like you, I, I'm with you, I don't really know like what what the plan is for cbi and cit that's what we'll have to look into but if they do have some other type of tournaments that would be cool but um i think we can safely say i mean i saw some chatter like some people were saying like if utah state had lost in the quarterfinals or semifinals they might not even make the nit but i mean um even if some of these bid throws win like would you say that they're probably still safely in the nit if they choose to accept the, the bid definitely yeah yeah i'd say that's safe yeah awesome well i think as a as an aggie fan i'm i'm definitely excited because i mean whether we make the tournament or not i think there's i mean i know sometimes the nit gets crap for being like the not in tournament is kind of the nickname but i think um i mean it's, you're still a good team if you make the nit i mean there's like 330 or something NCAA teams so to be in the Top 20% is is pretty impressive. I mean, we see good teams like Colorado State and Boise State and some of these Mount West teams. Like, I don't know um, what you've seen from the Mount West, but like, there was a, a time where nobody was having bad losses and they thought like we might get poor bids this year. Now it's kind of crazy to think that um, if the chips fall the wrong way, we might only get one bid. But <laughs> it's kind of, I guess, the life of a, a mid major. Definitely, it was. It's kind of interesting to look at. I was looking at uh, San Diego State's resume this afternoon, trying to figure out where I would put them. Um, and they've had a lot of their big wins depreciate over the past couple months. So they beat UCLA, and the UCLA is kind of on the downfall. They're looking at probably one of the last four buys where they don't have to play a play-in game. Um, well, San Diego beat State beat. They beat. Uh, Boise State twice, and that win's kind of depreciated. Boise State's not even looking like they're in the tournament anymore. Um, so I think it was good for San Diego State to beat Utah State today. That gives them another solid win. It's only their second win against a tournament team. So uh, lots of the Mountain West yeah. lost some of their big wins with with teams depreciating over the last month of the season. Yeah, definitely. I can kind of see that. And it's crazy how, like, um, yeah, that auto bid super important. I know last year had the tournament been played, the, the Aggies might have had a, a case to get a pretty good um, bid because um, so last year the San Diego State swept the regular season and then we beat them and they were only they were like crazy good last year only one loss leap coming into the tournament and then this year we we sweep them and they had some injury troubles. One of their Matt Mitchell got injured and but um, they were all healthy and. And the Aggies, not to make excuses, but they their game ended at like 1 a.m. Mountain Time, so so definitely having the two seed kind of hurt. Um, but definitely. Um, as far as uh, one thing that San Diego State had going for them too is they have not really any bad losses from what I see. I mean BYU, I mean your Cougars 
beat beat them, and that that's probably one of the best teams that's beat them. And then and then they lost once to Colorado State, which is a team kind of that's been in the tournament field for a while now. And they're kind of like the first four out, and then and then we swept them twice, and we're kind of in that same bubble. So, um, but I guess only having four losses. It, it was kind of crazy to me because I think BYU was not right on the outside of the AP poll, but I mean, like BYU beats beats them, beats San Diego State, but I think maybe the Pepper Bean loss is probably the only loss that might have hurt BYU a little bit because that's kind of a quad three loss if I remember right. Yeah, BYU. That's actually a quad two loss. They played at Pepperdine. Oh, uh, yes, that makes sense. Pepperdine's. Yeah, their postseason movement and they uh, Pepperdine made it to the semifinals against BYU, which. I think boosted him up to a Q2, so uh, only a Q2 yeah. loss for BYU. Still wasn't a great loss, obviously, one you'd like to avoid, but I don't think it's going to end up hurting him as much as some people thought at the time that it would. Yeah, and I guess one other. Um, so, so the as far as bid stillers go, it seems, it seems like COVID's kind of a big bid stiller this year. With, I mean, I mean Duke wasn't really weirdly Duke wasn't projected in the field anyways, but but Virginia was like the top seed in the ACC, and and they weren't able to finish. And so now, I think from what I've heard, you have to have seven straight days of negative COVID tests. But um, do you think that that if some of those teams, like obviously if some of them don't um, get the seven days straight, like do you think that they would like delay it, or do you think if some of those teams um, end up not passing that, do you think they would redo the redo and give somebody else an invite to go to Indiana? Yeah, so the way they've set this up, um, I don't think they'll delay the tournament at all. I don't see that happening. Um, but the way they've set it up is, uh, for example, if, if Utah State were to end up missing the tournament tomorrow, uh, on Selection Sunday, they're going to tell you which four teams are the first teams out of the tournament. And then um, if you have, before Tuesday night, if you have a team uh, that has COVID issues within their program, they'll drop that team out of the tournament. For example, if we had, I don't know, say Gonzaga, for example, got COVID issues in their program, which likely won't happen. They've already dealt with some issues. But if COVID uh, hit Gonzaga, they'd pull Gonzaga out of the bracket and take the first team out of the tournament, for example, Utah State, and just plug them into Gonzaga's spot as a one seed. Oh, wow. So that you could potentially be a one seed if that were to happen? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a funky scenario, but that's, that's how they've planned to, to do this. And um, After Tuesday night, however, they've said if any teams end up having COVID in their program, um, the other team will just move on. They're not going to replace teams after Tuesday. So Tuesday is kind of the final when we're going to have an actual final bracket that's, that's set to okay. for, for the weekend. Which is interesting because they're still having um, the first four on on Tuesday and Wednesday, right? Uh, no, it's actually on. Thir- it's all on Thursday this year. Okay, so they have the first four, and then do, do the winners of the first four play on Friday then? For the so no, the winners, four, winners of the first. Yeah, so the the first four would be on Thursday, and then the first round of the tournament is going to be Friday and Saturday. So anyone that plays in the first four is going to end up playing on Saturday and Monday. If they continue to win. Oh, so the first like day of everything is going to be on on Friday then. You ran a sixty-four. 
Yeah, the beginning of the round of oh. 64 is on Friday. That's that's good to know. I actually ended up getting work off for um. So while I have my day job, I'm I'm like I I got Thursday and Friday off, but yeah, that, that's that's good to know. Um, yeah, yeah they they postponed it. It was kind of a bummer, but it'll be a full weekend of basketball. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely Friday, Saturday, Sunday will be be quite busy for us March Madness fans. And I guess that's um one thing I wanted to end uh, on. I guess. Um, from your opinion, it seems, sounds like you're a sports fan and especially you've grown in an in interest of bracketology, but where do you think the, the, the NCAA tournament, the March Madness ranks among like college postseason, um, like event competitions and then, um, I, I guess college and pro, like in all of sports, like where do you think that this type of tournament ranks? Yeah, that's it's tough to say. I think it's obviously the best in college sports. I don't think there's anything that trumps it. I think the college football playoff is way lower than than what March Madness is. Um, as for pro sports, I don't know personally. I think that the two first days of March Madness, the, the, what's typically the Thursday and Friday, I think that's better than the Super Bowl for me. That's I get more excited for those days than I do for the Super Bowl every year. Yeah, because, I mean, it's fun doing the bracket pools with friends and just kind of seeing how your bracket does. Like, I think it's always fun to get hyped if you have a bracket. That, if you even have a bracket that's, like, perfect or close to perfect after the first day, you're feeling pretty good. And, and yeah, there's just so many games. That's kind of why I decided to to take some time off because I feel like you ask most um, guys, like um, young adults or middle-aged guys, and they're probably not as productive at their their job the first um, couple of days of the definitely. tournament because there's just so many brackets and teams that are playing. So it's definitely a fun time for sure for um, fans. And and it seems like um, the casual fan might not pay as much attention in like um, November and December, or maybe they're just a fan of other sports that are playing. But March Madness, like the, like that. It's definitely a crazy month for for college and and to see upsets like when Virginia got upset by UMBC like that 16 and never beaten a one so it's it's kind of cool to to do that and just look at even the 512 upset's been really popular among bracketologists from what I've seen because that's like the line where you almost always see a, an upset like for 413 215 314 like you don't always see those it seems like Sometimes you might see one, but a lot of years you might see at least two five twelve upsets. Um, yeah, why do you think the five twelve upset is such a popular upset to pick? That's a good question. Um, I think a lot of the twelve seeds typically uh, either end up being um, teams that are in the last four teams in, or they're really strong conference champions um, who have played really well and are on winning streaks to end their season. Um, and often when you get to March Madness, it ends up being the tournament or the team that's um, hottest that wins the game. So I see. I think that's why you see a lot of 12-5 match matchups go go for the 12 seed, or even 11-6 matchups go for the 11 seed. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because yeah, some of the at least the five or better, like you're looking at some of the top 25 schools, but I don't want to say that they're overrated, but sometimes you get some. That maybe like the third or fourth best Big Ten team gets gets 
some of those seeds. So you're you're right, like they might not be the hottest, but because of the the conference they're in, they might get a little more love. And some of these other teams that are just like in one bid conferences or or the mid majors, they um, don't maybe have that luxury, and so they're just kind of playing like it's their last game because it very well might be because they're playing a good team. And um, from what I saw, like UMBC, I never would have seen that, but like I think if you get a really good defensive team. I guess that's not a five twelve, but but just um, UMBC just caught fire. So like I I think um, when you get to one like a one sixteen, you rarely see that unless the team just catches fire. But with a five twelve, I I think that a twelve is good enough because like on on a on a bad day, like I mean they're all tournament teams, so they're all good. So on a bad day, like I I can definitely see five losing to twelve, and so. It'll be interesting once the bracket comes out to kind of project, and, and it'll be interesting to kind of see your, your picks. Like, I'm sure you'll – I mean, right now your your bracketology job is to project the field, and then once the field's set, then it'll be fun to see your projections and and, and how other bracketologists do it, projecting the winners Definitely. of the games. Definitely, yeah. I'd be, well, I'd be happy um, to come on and talk to you about I'll talk to you about who I who I feel is going to do well in the first round after we have kind of a set bracket. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see when um, works best. Um, that definitely I'll have some availability. But yeah, I, I, Sam, I appreciate you coming on. And as an Aggie fan, I have to say Sam is a name that we respect a lot. After we saw last year, <laughs> Sam Merrill um, in the tournament, it was interesting. I'll just end on this. He had a tweet that said last year the reason they were down 21 to 37 is is because like they their the semifinal game ended at midnight. So so hopefully this next year we can secure the one seed and and I mean BYU probably was in the same boat. I remember that their game was even was just as late. So yeah, hopefully we can get on that one line. But but yeah, Sam, I appreciate your time and and yeah, let's cross our fingers for good seeds for the Aggies and and Cougars tomorrow. TheHiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school. So check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.